Taboo the Vaccine. I'm Steve. And joining me today during this very jolly festive week, it's Adam Myros. Yes. Uh, hello, Steve. Myros, which, uh, which Christmas character do you most identify with? Christmas? Are, is there like a ton of them? Most of them are like animals or something. I think uh, you might think Santa Claus because I'm a big fat guy, but uh, I, I would never I think mean, that. I, I'm really much more of a Grinch, I, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, physically, yeah, some, I, I think some simple-minded people would point to Santa Claus, but those who know the real Myros know he's pure Grinch inside and yeah, out. I mean, you work retail for like a decade. You, you, you go Grinch. You go straight, no coming yeah. back. Jack, how about you? Are you uh, what are you like a heat miser guy? Uh, yeah, I've never seen that. So yeah, probably. <laughs> You've never. Which one is that one? That's like the lesser claymation. I don't. Movie. I haven't seen any of the Rankin and Bay stuff. That's that's yeah, unless you grow up in America. Like that's that's bass, forbidden Jack. knowledge. I think it's bass. Rankin ba- and yeah, bass. bass. Lance Bass. Sank, yeah. Rankin and Bass. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. That's Mega Man, you know, Mega Man and Bass. Rankin and Bass. <laughs> you see, these are the things that I, I don't know. As a, as a kid, I, I watched the snowman all the time, the Charles Proud of seeing and the flying through the air and all that stuff. You know, it's good wholesome mm. entertainment. I don't know, but your, your stop motion antics. So you, you never got know Rudolph, that... you never got Year Without a Santa Claus, you never got any of that shit? No, mostly, uh, mostly I've just been snowman. forced to watch Elf. I've mostly been just forced oh, to watch Elf at in-laws' house, and then you see it all there, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's the thing that Americans love." So, oh, God. yeah, fucking Elf. I feel like, I because same thing. I have to watch it every single year, and there's nothing I can really do about it. And I feel like I I like it less every time I see it, which is yeah, impressive. Yeah. Normally, you'd think something would bottom out or it would just be fine. Like I I see Home Alone probably every year, still like it. Elf, yeah. I just, I find something new. There's always a new wrinkle where I'm like, I fucking hate this. So It's like yeah. that era. It just doesn't age well in the mind for whatever reason. Elf, yeah, I, I liked it fine. You know, if I had seen it like twice in my life, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, it's a cute, fun little movie. But no, it's it's gone on for too long. I think yeah. Bad Santa had a very similar fate at the time. It was like, wow, hilarious. And now it's like, yeah. I would never this want to watch bucks. Bad Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I, what you say, I mean, Elf, oh, the thing now is as a Peacock subscriber, obviously NBC's uh, stellar streaming service, I'm aware of Genie, which is the Melissa McCarthy oh, yeah. uh, essentially remake of Elf, but it's, it's not a remake. She's a Genie. She's not an Elf. Uh, a film that was released the on the platform. Christmas character, Genie. Yeah, well, yeah, Genie, it's dude. set at Christmas. That she knows Jesus, as I know from one of the things. It's it's great, though, because I mean, that movie was released on, like, dumped on Peacock, like, at least a month ago, and I have yet to encounter a single person mention, even, even honestly, even mention it, let alone actually say they well, watched it. Jack, I hate to tell you, but apparently you haven't been paying very close attention to my Letterboxd account, because I did, in fact, watch Genie. So oh, you watched Genie? How, how did that go? And it's not, it, it didn't make the roster, it didn't make the cut? Uh, n- no, it's, uh... It's not good. It's, it's, I mean, it's a classic situation. It's just on and I'm doing something else and then I, I'm not really paying attention, but it's there and I'm absorbing it kind of amulely. But it's, it's, not, it's not good. It's fucking horrible. I, I think Melissa McCarthy is, you could tell she's trying to take some big swings to compensate for how flaccid everything else is, but 
it just emphasizes how annoying she is, just like a, a cancerous screen presence. And uh, the whole thing looks like shit. It's flat as fuck. It looks like a TV movie from 1997. It's horrible. Well, Absolutely I mean, I guess you could, answer, you could answer my question as to what the fuck a genie has to do with Christmas then. Well, it's Christmas, and this guy is an art dealer, and his boss is always making him work late, and he always, like, misses his daughter's birthday and shit. And he misses his daughter's birthday again, and then his family's like, we're leaving and we don't want you to come to Christmas because you're fucking late all the time, you piece of shit. And uh, then he rubs a random cigar box in his house or something and Melissa McCarthy comes out, which I cannot think of anything more horrific. Like, I would, <laughs> I would never touch anything in my home ever again if there was even like a 2% chance Melissa McCarthy would talk to me. I'd, it's fucking awful, man. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah it's, I, I think it's not funny. Not not funny, not good. It's got, not it's got all the classic anything. fish out of water gags, like she like washes her hair in the toilet and she eats hand sanitizer. I know all this simply from the adverts on the platform and you're just looking at it going, I feel like I've already seen this one. So, you know, these are yeah. recycling gags literally from like, God, decades ago. So much has changed in our world and yet those movies stay just resiliently the same. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know all the jokes too. Like it's playing to this, this demographic that I am not a part of like, Oh, Melissa McCarthy just heard little John's get low for the first time. And she's crumping everywhere. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a very 2023 reference. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's it, the whole thing is just designed for like 42 year old Facebook moms who, who tell you it's wine o'clock or something like it's, it's not, it's not good, man. It's like for people who were late to all that from date movie or whatever, the one we watched with the God, what did we pair that with again, Adam? It was something good. What were you doing? Uh, it was uh, Hell's a Pop. <laughs> Hell's, Hell's a Pop. Yeah. That's right. Great yeah. movie. Other half of that bill. Not, not so great. Yeah. Well, fuck Genie. Also, I, I got to get up on my, my soapbox for this one too. Uh, fuck the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Um, you know, I mean, Politics aside, we love the tool man. You know, he's uh, when, whenever he goes, I mean, who can't help but but laugh hysterically? Uh, but fuck the Santa Claus because it, it's it's like some it's really dark if you think about it. So the first movie, what happens? Uh, Tim Allen accidentally kills Santa Claus. Whoops a daisy. And then he has to become Santa Claus. OK, that's fun. And he doesn't like it, but he learns to love it. And his heart grows two sizes bigger or something. Now, I mean, actually starting your movie with killing Santa Claus is fucked up, but then you get to the second movie and the whole plot of the second movie is in order to stay Santa Claus, he has to get married. He has to have a Mrs. Claus. If he doesn't have a Mrs. Claus, then he's fucked. He just like, I don't know, disappears. There's no Santa. And so with this in mind, that means that when he killed Santa Claus in the, in, in the original movie, what the fuck happened to that Mrs. Claus? Did she also die? Did she evaporate because the, the Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus souls are forever intertwined? Is she, was she just exiled from the North Pole? This is never addressed. Has to have a Mrs. Claus. Where the fuck is the first Mrs. Claus? Well, I, I there's also the the fact that uh, when Tim Allen becomes Santa Claus, he just turns into a fat old guy, and Mrs. Yeah. Claus 
She stays hot and young. Yeah, she stays hot as fuck. We can't yeah. have old women in movies. You know? No, we are playing sitcom rules here, you know? Yeah. Fat, jolly uh, dude with a good-looking wife. Exactly, exactly. The old uh, the Kevin James move. Yeah, I yeah, I don't understand why she stays hot. It, none of this makes sense. It's all I haven't terrible. seen any movie in this franchise in like the last 25 years, so I couldn't tell you how they hold up. But yeah. uh, I'm, it's, Christmas is like the one time of year where I'm happy that my parents are so... Uh, calcified in their ways because it'll just be like uh, it's a wonderful life or uh, Christmas vacation both of which I'm just fine with watching any given year <laughs> exactly oh Christmas vacation you talk about a movie that's great for just having on in the background and not paying attention to yeah. Christmas vacation's perfect that, that so one kind of wins it yeah it, it's it's an actual funny movie that somehow uh, hasn't aged like curdled milk like elf um mm-hmm. Yeah, I I wondered if this Santa Claus discussion was was a transition because uh, we we are uh, talking about a movie featuring the Tool Man's wife Patricia Richards. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> she is she is a a very minor role uh, in Christmas <laughs> Evil. I, I had completely she, missed that Tim connection. Allen, he got like baby canceled or something because he like sexually harassed her or something on set, and then she. Told everybody about it like 30 years later, and then he like something had this is like a thing that just happened. Like Patricia Richardson uh comes out against Tim Allen. <laughs> uh, you know, that <laughs> really wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Although Tim Allen's secret weapon is he can't be canceled because he's a chud and all of his fans are chuds. So if you're going to see a Tim Allen stand-up show in the year of our Lord 2023, like do you care what he's done in his life? <laughs> Honestly, is Tim Allen doing stand up? You think he has enough money that he wouldn't bother with such shit? Uh, it's a passion for him. He's got all kinds of insightful, great jokes to tell. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you know, it, maybe your family forces you to watch Genie or or Santa Claus Two or God forbid Santa Claus Three with Martin Short as Jack Frost. Uh, and you need to introduce. Some new Christmas films into the family rotation. Now, Myros, what if I told you that we have two excellent recommendations for your next family gathering? I, I think you would be lying. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't oh, think why my would you accuse would, me of that? It would deal well with either of these, uh, especially one. <laughs> well, listen. As someone who doesn't particularly like his family and, and tries to, you know, maintain a healthy distance, what could increase that distance more than watching a film like 1980s Christmas Evil, right? Well, I, I think that uh, watching 1983's Bloodbeat <laughs> probably, <laughs> would probably serve the purpose better, you know. I don't then know. They'd, they'd be like hundreds of miles away at that point. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say because... I think Christmas Evil, you can just sort of like glance over and it might not seem so terrible, like just a quick glance. Uh, and then if they sit down to watch it and figure out what it's really about, it, it really starts to sink in. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but my vision of what this was or is, is I just thought Christmas Evil was another Santa slasher, you know, a, a Silent Night, Deadly Night, if you will. And yeah, I'd seen, I know we watched it many years ago and, uh, we weren't, I think it was probably hot off the heels of watching Silent Night, Deadly Night. And mm-hmm. 
uh, I think at the time, I, I know my reaction was kind of like, eh, boring. It's not Silent Night, Deadly Night, for sure. No, it's, or it's, Santa's uh, Sleigh or any of no, <laughs> the various Santa's snorting uh, good time. It's, it's, and I think, not to, not to spoil the next episode, but I think all these holiday evil movies we're covering have a, a distinct sort of like Larry Cohen feel to them, oddly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. And, and this is like, yeah, it's, considering it came out in 1980 when people were really starting to, uh, you know, pump out the slashers and, and slasher knockoffs. Again, you would think this is prime for that, but no, this is really more of a throwback to th- the previous decade. It's just like, hey, what if we made Taxi Driver, but it's Santa Claus instead? Mm-hmm. Of yeah, Travis they have Bickle. some stuff to work out here. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think the Larry Cohen element is is real. I, I think we we all need the anti-holiday movie, and and this is around the time you know where people were getting brave enough to do it. Nineteen eighty, you know, kind of through the seventies, as things are limbering up, and really by by the the late seventies, early eighties, you know, audiences were ready to. To grapple with the fact that kind of, you know, Christmas when you're a kid is maybe the most wonderful time of year. And Christmas when you're an adult is various shades of shitty a lot of the time. Because of one thing you always get to compare it to, you know, Christmas when you were a kid. And now you have to do all the stuff, which mm-hmm. just happened when you were a kid. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's, if you it's don't a, have children. Yeah, it's like, you know, you there's that aspect of like. Well, now I'm making something magical for my children, so they'll have this memory. But it, as as all of us do not have children, it's just kind of like no. Fuck but even Christmas. that, I mean, like making it for your kid. I mean, it's like even though I I think a lot of you know we all have like you know Christmases where maybe you didn't get the present you wanted, you were a little bit disappointed or whatever. Like kids mostly don't remember that shit, but it weighs on adults forever. <laughs> it's like, there's, yeah. like Christmas is just really a horrible weight of expectation on everyone and just rolls Pretty around much. every year without fail. Um, and, and I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, so much of the, the cheer and everything of the holiday that's kind of self-reinforced, it's it's nice to have an alternative to it. And, you know, it it's kind of a shame that so many of them are shitty. Uh, Christmas yeah. Evil, I think, strikes a really great balance, but probably... You can't make too many movies like this. Uh, it, it, it kind of would get old quick. So I think you know, fair play to the people here. They kind of they 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 got in there. And and as Steve says, really, this really is kind of like the taxi driver Travis Bickle, but he he dresses up as Santa to try and fix his life, and get it doesn't work at all because it will never work. You'll never fix your life, uh, and Christmas mm. is a lie. <laughs> Pretty much everything's shit in his life, right? Like. Yeah, uh, he lives in he lives in like this dingy, disgusting little apartment. Um, he works at a toy factory where he has to be surrounded. It's called like the Jolly Fun Toy Factory. He's constantly surrounded by people he hates that treat him like shit. And uh, he, <laughs> he's also pretty detestable himself. He's like a middle management guy that just sits all day and stares at the assembly line uh, watching the workers work. And then the stuff that they're making it's all just cheap shit. It's like little yeah. garbage plastic dollar store toys that just fall apart. So and and this um, isn't when he's like alive. in his yeah, and then this isn't when he's in his spare time where he's spying on neighborhood children to determine if they're naughty or nice. Yeah, which is a great like hobby that. to have. Yeah, poor neighborhood real, real boy good Moss with his penthouse obsession. That's it's just quite naughty. 
Yeah, that oh. is that is pretty naughty. Yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna like, uh, you know, uh, stalk children and potentially kill them or their parents, uh, it probably should be that little shit who's running around with his penthouse magazine. Where did he even get that damn thing? Uh, you really yeah. gotta get a soundboard, a soundboard rip of him going, Moss Garcia. He hates that kid. <laughs> hates him so much. He really hates that kid. And, yeah. and of course, and of course, it's home improvements own Patricia Richardson is Moss Garcia's mom and smacks yeah, the him in the mouth. mouth. So, yeah. mm, so there you yeah. go. And you know, you think did the apple fall far from the tree there? Maybe there's a reason he's he's an objectionable little shit, but no yeah, time because the tool on that. man's like fucking bikini car calendars in the old garage. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, all working on the hot rod and staring at some some jugs in a Bud Light ad. That'll do it to you, man. It'll corrupt your mind. Uh yeah. I, I I love the the turn that he takes too because you know, like any good killer, you have to have a great costume, and he's and he's really trying to embody Santa. Uh, and he actually, instead of just buying a Santa suit or I, I don't know, I guess the move would be like you knock off some other Santa and just steal his suit or something. No, no, no. Here's a man who sews his own Santa suit. And uh, I, I think my favorite detail is instead of having like a coat that just hangs normally at your waist and then you belt it like a typical Santa Claus, his is like some fucking European shit. And it's this like frilly it's almost like a dress that he's wearing and he's and he's constantly like spinning it around so it poofs out but isn't uh, very fashion forward but but isn't the whole i mean it's made with a lot of it's handmade in america no less mm -hmm. uh, you know i think i think yeah. there's an element to this i mean he's he's you say he works in a toy factory and the toy factory makes the shittiest dingiest toys imaginable and uh, everyone hates him and all his union, like they're just talking about layoffs and union squabbles. Like it's just awful mm -hmm. work environment. Everyone's just squabbling with each other. There's no dreams or magic there. So yeah, he's trying to reclaim. I mean, he's he's a self-made Santa. He makes his own suit. He's not buying off the rack. That wouldn't be right. You you're know, right, like, you're right. It's 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 yeah. You know, it it kind of encapsulates all these things. Like I gotta say, I think this film is really it's it's really kind of something. It kind of it. it tracks in on on a, the vein of just disenchantment of being an adult in a world where that just like it just the magic isn't there like it really mm -hmm. there's just too much other stuff going on it's not you know you, you don't have to give yourself over to it sometimes you just like i mean this is literally a movie about a man basically who who definitely has some some issues but basically most of the movie is him willing himself to be jolly and happy and just getting, mm -hmm. just failing. The, the world keeps disappointing him and he keeps trying to ramp himself back up again to be jolly again. And ultimately he just says, he's like, okay, so I just need to kill a few people and then maybe the world will become jollier. And <laughs> that doesn't that's work how either. We do it. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. And, and of course all of this stems from because, you know, you gotta have your childhood trauma event that, that leads you down a path of darkness, right? <laughs> it's a little and, different uh, from Silent Night, Deadly Night's, like, series of ludicrous traumas. Yeah, yeah, this one's, you know, more standard, oops, yeah. I saw my parents having sex. Although they're not even having sex, it's like Christmas, right? And then his dad is dressed up as Santa doing the Santa routine, and then he, like, sneaks on down by the stairs, and his dad Santa is just, like, licking his mom's legs in the living room while dressed as Santa Claus. Yeah, it's like a new holiday classic. I saw Santa going down on mommy, you know. Yeah. I, I don't well, know. 
there's I mean, there's there's only a handful of of like subgenres of the Santa Claus song in popular music. Right. There's I'm excited because Santa is coming soon. That's a typical type of song. There's uh, you or me or everyone in the world really needs to be careful because Santa is watching you and you don't want to get on his naughty list. So that one's a little bit darker. And then so you, so you got the nice, you got the naughty, and then you got the fucking weird, which is there's a lot of pop songs about people like kissing or trying to fuck or being sexually attracted to Santa Claus. And I, I don't know how we ended up with so many songs like that, but but there we are. So I feel I like think, this is going to be a, a common occurrence, right? Does this just it's happen a all the time? I, yeah, I feel like it's a forerunner to the furry thing, you know, like all these people diversify out, you know, and now there's no shame and everyone just admits openly to their sexuality and frankly i just think it's it's yeah. a bad thing everyone should internalize everything and just pound it down <laughs> inside them how very we irish all, catholic of you yeah <laughs> we, we were all happier back then i shouldn't have to hear about what makes you happy uh ever yeah. no honestly i think the kinkiest thing in that whole sequence honestly is the fact they leave out a little finger bowl of water for santa to dip his fingers in before drinking a glass of milk or whatever it's very peculiar yeah. i've never Real i've never heard behavior. of that like, unless no, they're going to give Santa some wings or something. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, in addition to killing naughty people and giving some pretty, like, intense speeches to uh, individuals at a Christmas party, uh, he, he tries to go through the various, you know, motions of being Santa Claus. And m one of my favorite moments has to be where he, like, gets a ladder, he climbs up on top of a roof, and then tries to shove his ass down a chimney. And uh, gets gets stuck and covered in soot, which is which is great. It's really nice. Uh, but don't worry, because, you know, if that happens, you can always go and just like wreck an entire toy factory and murder a few more people and you'll feel better about it. Uh, soot or no soot on your Santa suit. So, yeah, pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, this has a lot of things going for it for me. Like I I didn't love it back when I first saw it. But now, you know, I've I've got a lot more of a refined palette for like new york scuzzball movies i suppose and uh if you don't go in expecting this sort of christmas slasher i, I think you're gonna walk away from this quite impressed because it is this is like a really good larry cohen style movie it, it does have that very grimy new york feel uh which juxtaposes really quite brilliantly with with the christmas of it all like this whole one of my standout scenes is that uh party he's like dragged into when they think he's just like a santa claus and he's this is like this long dance sequence it's a really wonderful sort of break from all the griminess that's going on it's uh it, it feels like it shouldn't work but it, it does and a lot of that is brandon maggart uh is is just such a resource here like he's performance is fantastic <laughs> like mm -hmm. he doesn't look anything like a santa claus typically but I don't know. There's something in his like facial acting where he just so seamlessly transitions from like this facade of of the jolly old man uh, into this sort of really broken, sad, uh, disturbed individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always like I said. I there, there's the the tension I think between the child and the adult, which is manifested very literally in this, and that as a child he. He realized that he saw his mom and Santa going at it, and I don't know if he made quite the connection that it was his dad or just thought his mom was 
being amorous with him or whatever and just decided he wasn't real and just had a psychic break. But, you know, it, it is, you know, the tension of it all really is just, you know, it's the, the, this wonderful magical time of year that we're supposed to let go of everything. But really, you, you can't. As an adult, there's too much stuff going on. There's work concerns, there's family concerns, there's various other responsibilities. And it's like... It's his weight to try and carve out extra space to appreciate the magic. And he's, you know, he really is just a guy trying to do that. And it just, the world, you know, as, a, as an organizing principle, because he just thinks the world is broken, because it, it kind of is. I mean, it's just, it's miserable for him. And um, it, it's, it really kind of works, you know, like in that way that... Nowadays, you listen like uh, Christmas is kind of always a little bittersweet. I think even in the best of intentions as as adults, there's always, you know, kind of like Christmas is it's not it's just not the same, is it? Like it can't be the same as when you were a kid. It's it's somehow, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not exactly corrupted, but it it's just it's you see the you see the innards you see the wiring you know how it works now and it is also i mean it's something that's touched on specifically i mean christmas has become increasingly the you know a, a, like what would you say ostentatious consumption has become such an enormous part of it um, yeah. and he's he's rallying against that a little as well you know the, the kids don't want the crappy toys because they're crap they want well-made toys that cater to them and he's gonna fix it and it's like you can't you can't fix western capitalism it will just eat you and that's you know kind of the the run of the whole film but i you know it's it's kind of a nice outlet and, and you say like it's got that that sleazy kind of aesthetic that i think really captures a kind of a, a blue collar working class kind of american christmas aesthetic that you don't that it certainly seems a lot more glamorous in other movies when they do a lot more idealized whereas here is very much like here's your sparse shitty apartment that you live in you're all on top of each other and so on and so forth you know it's yeah. uh, it's it's a lot less nice oh the the aesthetic really sells it here too uh Myros, you mentioned it's got like the the Larry Cohen New York grime kind of look to it. Mm -hmm. uh, friend of the friend of the show, Scout Tafoya, he I think he said that it uh, like the the color palette for the movie was mop water, which I think <laughs> is correct. Yep. And normally, normally you'd be like, oh well, yeah. Then it, it probably looks like shit because we're list we're we're used to like the modern gray brown kind of earth tony color palette that looks like shit. But this is different. Like it's it's so tied to just the essence of what the movie is. It's it it looks phenomenal, and it genuinely this movie genuinely looks phenomenal. It's shot exceptionally well, and I think it's because like wh whoever the DP on this was some fucking like dynamo. It was like the guy from like last year at Maripad or something. Like what? Oh God, what is his name? I'm gonna I'm, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Ah uh, shit. Uh, Ricardo Aronovich. Uh-huh. And what has Ricardo Arvin Aronovich done for us? Uh, that's a good question. Most of these movies, obviously not American, but, uh, yeah, I'm struggling to see the, the one that stands out to me is like, just like a huge amount of, uh, European films, but nothing mm -hmm. immediately jumping to mind. It's like super famous. Yeah. But yeah, he, no, it's uh, it's a great looking film, and it's got like I mean, I, I, you're struck immediately from it. I think in early on, there's that great split diopter shot of the boy and the snow globe way up in the foreground, and it's like this, like this uh, 
you know, it's it's a money shot. Like it's kind of like that big striking mm-hmm. image that kind of draws you in and lets you realize, no, this is you know, people put people put some thought into this. This isn't just gonna be your, you know, template slasher. Yeah. It's oh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, Aronovich shot missing with fucking uh, Costa Gavras. He did that just after this. Um, <laughs> See? I told you he's a real guy, but yeah, it yeah. looks fun. There's, yeah, there's uh, the shot where uh, it, it like focuses in on the snow globe for a second and it's just, you just like pause. You're like, what the fuck? Why does this look so good? And of course, it's an amazing restoration too. So everything pops, but uh, it dynamite looking movie. So. Uh, yeah, pleasant surprise. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but this is one of uh, uh, God, John Waters' favorite movies. So John Waters actually did a commentary track for this film. So if you buy the Blu-ray, you get to hear John Waters talk about Christmas it, Evil. It definitely fits. Uh, <laughs> it's very much in that mode. I mean, it, this is the kind of film that, that captures a different experience of of the holiday and i think does it really really well and it's it's it, the only thing about it is it doesn't even have like the fun element this it's a little i i guess the warning yeah. is like it's not like a standard slasher movie and to that sense it's also not really escapist like a slasher movie is it's mm-hmm. it's kind of drags you into the grime it's just kind of a a depressing movie about how stuff doesn't always work out <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a strange thing. You wonder where the hell it came from because the director's done nothing else. Like, this is the last movie he ever made. Uh, I mean, you try looking him up, I, I didn't find much of anything. A uh, guy doesn't even have like a Wikipedia page or an IMDb bio. He's, he's just gone after this, a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you wonder, like, this wasn't, this is like Christmas Evil is a, is a distributor's title. It's actually called You Better Watch Out. So you wonder, like, what was the impetus for changing that? Were they afraid this actually would, like, come across as a, a Christmas film, not for sickos like us? I don't know. <laughs> but it, it's just that very, like, everything about surrounding it is, is just kind of strange. And it's a, it's a really weird one. But uh, in, a, in a great way, I think it, it perfectly captures that sort of, uh, coming out of, you know, uh, late seventies recession, you know, this, it, it's a really just sort of bleak and desolate film in, in the best possible way. It, it's, it's well worth your time, uh, provided, uh, you're up for that. And you, if you want a holly jolly Christmas, maybe look elsewhere. No, if you want a really depressing mop water Christmas, this is, this is your fucking jam though. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, we, we did watch one other Christmas movie, and uh, I'm going to go out of limb and say, <laughs> allegedly, hey, it's a Christmas movie, I, as far as I can tell. Oh, no, but there's a Christmas tree, it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie, yeah. It doesn't yeah. even look like Wisconsin Christmas. <laughs> I, I gotta say, if you're going to watch one Christmas movie this year, if you're only going to watch one movie this year, if you're going to do anything this year, it should be watching... The film from 1983 called Bloodbeat. And I'm sure some of you are scratching your head. You're saying, Steve, what, what, what is Bloodbeat? That's, that can't be a Christmas movie. What is that? Is there a Santa Claus? No, 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 you dumb motherfucker. There's not a Santa Claus in it. There's a, uh, a, a glowing samurai. Yeah, it's yeah. Tis the Season. Now, this is, I think this is the fourth time I've watched Bloodbeat. 
And first time you watch this film, you're probably going to be scratching your head. You're going to say, did I miss something? Is something yeah, off yeah. here? Uh, that Do, happened to me, sure. I, I don't think I know what's going on. I'm enjoying the ride, but I don't know where it's taken me. And then, you know, you, uh, you watch it again and you think oh, it's going to make more sense this time. Third time, I'm finally going to get it. Fourth time, nope. I still, I have no fucking clue what's going on here. And the best part is, and I, I love the movie more for this, is anytime you try to piece together a reasonable explanation from the narrative clues you are given as to why anything is happening, it, it's completely undermined by the film itself. It's wonderful. It's just so like purposefully dense and impenetrable and silly. Uh, but at the same time, every single choice seems so hyper-specific and deliberate. It's beautiful. Fucking beautiful. Uh, but yeah, on its surface, this is a movie about a bunch of people celebrating Christmas in rural Wisconsin. And oh no, all of a sudden, a glowing samurai ghost is killing a, a bunch of people. And what are we going to do about it? If only it were that simple, though, because it, it's clearly not. <laughs> no, there's nothing simple about this movie. I, I love this movie. This is, uh, mm -hmm. this is absolutely a holiday classic for me. I'll be watching this every year, henceforth. Well, maybe even throw it on in, in summer just to get back into the spirit. It's, it's a, thing of, a thing of odd wonder. It's, it's that incredible film that, yeah, it's, none of it really seems to make any sense. And then at the end, there's the reveal that nominally would... would explain something or tie it together and instead it does nothing of the sort and then the end credits roll it's like literally mm -hmm. you could have put the reveal at the start of the movie and you would be no better equipped to watch it and i think that's beautiful and it's it's incredibly sleepy it's got this wonderful sonambulant kind of a pacing which i think comes a lot from the fact that i think slasher movies are they're so simple in their structuring that everyone kind of like and everyone watched halloween and john carpenter is just an absolute, you know, incredible classicist. He's he's just superb at executing the kind of basic building blocks of cinema, and he honestly he kind of makes it look easy. And that was part of the success of of slasher movies is that on paper they sound like they're really simple movies, and then you watch Halloween. And I feel you're like, yeah, I could do it. Like he's not doing anything special. Camera moves around a bit, whatever, you know. But but the thing is, that John Carpenter actually was doing a lot of really special things. It's really hard to work on that level. Um, and I think it it spurred this wonderful wave of everybody trying to do the same thing. And it went two di two different ways. It's like obviously, where a lot of people and it just didn't work, it sucked. But there was this other grouping of people who just, you know, I'm thinking of stuff like Terror at Ten Killer and other movies that just kind of like got got the basic building blocks so wrong. They built something completely different. And Bloodbeat mm -hmm. is that. It, I I love the like I say it's it's like sleepwalking. It's like a weird dream. It's every interaction in it is so stilted and strange that it doesn't feel real. The rural Wisconsin setting is such an arbitrary choice that doesn't really reflect into anything else within the film. The fact that it's Christmas seems largely irrelevant, but it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the samurai, you know, everything about this is... Like like Steve says, feels these are very bold, distinct choices from a man who apparently was halfway into the shoot before he realized what aspect ratio they were shooting in by his own admission. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's just a, a completely bonkers kind of a film, but it it is unlike anything else. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's such a uniquely peculiar film, and I just kind of love it. It's it's and it's again, it's got that like I hesitate to say something like it's Lynchian. It's not really Lynchian in terms of what David Lynch does, but it's Lynchian in that attempt to explain details and premonitions and things like this largely deflate there's there's no actual structuring there now in lynch maybe there is structure but here maybe there is too but you're really gonna have to put the work in because um you're probably gonna have to you know get into the director's mind and figure out what he was thinking and he's not really aware of it either this is directed by a frenchman inexplicably living in wisconsin i believe it was shot in his house which means it's full of these wonderful period details which i love i mean it's very much a shot in a house that was being lived in at the time and he's Mm. only made one other movie in french um it, again, just kind of like Christmas Evil, it's it's just this weird lightning bolt film. It just, well, it just exists. Yeah, but, but you watch, the, this movie is Blood Beach. <laughs> if you were to tell me the director <laughs> I mean, of lightning Blood Beach bolt disappeared in terms of like financing that it again. exists, that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but of course the director disappeared because he made fucking Blood Beach. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean, all you can do. Once you fucking yeah. shoot your shot and it's and it's like a full court just buzzer beating three pointer nothing okay. but net why You're not right. how can retire how do you follow a blood beat you can't you can't be the director of blood beat because you'll never make that again mm. i need someone grumpier i mean i don't dislike this movie but i don't know if i'm quite so effusive as you gentlemen but that that's that so good it reminds me of like Another movie that uh, I was at odds with with you uh, on is uh, Luigi Cosi's like Hercules. Is it that dunderheaded? No, but I think maybe the same effects for you for most films. Where it's just like get out your fucking highlighter and you see, scribble I'm in, on the negative for everything. I'm I'm in yeah. the middle on that because I didn't like Cosi's Hercules, but I'm I'm fully in the can for Bloodbeat. Bloodbeat has got mm-hmm. it's got that weird Western like Orientalism thrown in, but misdirected, like just seemingly at random. Like, I mean, it feels like a movie that a man acquired a samurai armor costume and just yes. a film arose. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably exactly correct. <laughs> and then uh, at the end, he taxes it and something about the fucking atomic bomb. <laughs> Justify oh, that shit's stuff. great, too. Again, or all these big he. ideas. Who knows? Or, or Is, was he. the brother a kamikaze pilot? That's hinted at, too. Maybe I don't know. Are they adversaries? The mother and the samurai who have a link? Utterly inexplicable. Just it's no like choose your own adventure. <laughs> no, no, there no, are there's not. There's everybody's white past fuck. lives. You know, there there may be many lives. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of exotic Oriental bullshit thrown in there with zero understanding. There's Hindu statues. That's reincarnation right there. If you're paying attention, Myros. Just gotta you you just draw. It's this is a, it's a wonderful movie. You just take every element of this movie and like. Stick it on a wall and start running thread between all of them and look insane. But you could have a great time doing it. And I love that it gives us this space. It's just, yeah. it is, a, as the kids say, it is a vibe. It is very much a movie that says, I just loved sitting with this film and being perplexed, but never bored. I was just yeah, like, no, I, I wasn't, I wasn't bored. That's for sure. 
and it looks but, beautiful yeah. in places. Uh, I mean, there's early scenes where they go out hunting and they're riding on horseback, and like there's this wonderful, almost like like a soft focus kind of like wildlife scenes. You know, it's it's this really strikingly beautiful at times, and then the rest of it's very rustic and like on location. Like I say, it was shot in a guy's house. It, it's it's a really interesting like time capsule among other yeah. things, but with these artful interjections. And then it's interesting shit. too because it's never it's never boring. It's just so sleepy. Like yeah. it, nothing approaching action happens for like the first hour of a film that is less than 90 minutes long. Uh, but it's like the most tension you're gonna get in the first hour is the tension in the score between the use of rights-free classical music and someone banging indiscriminately on a synthesizer. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. There's a lot of a lot of music or a lot of films like the early, like the first generation of slashers, particularly. Uh, a lot of them you could you could decide they have discordant electronica scores. You know, it was very mm. much kind of the thing. This is more discordant than most of them. It's really, yeah. it really feels kind of random at points. Mm-hmm. And then what he has the, the gall to hit you with O Fortuna at the end too. It's <laughs> the whole I thing. Is, this one, I yeah, I I don't know. The whole thing has this feel of like, you know, there's the way that we've been talking about the use of rights-free classical music uh, for the last month here, uh, and that's very different from what this is doing. This is doing it in like this very operatic sense where it, it I. I don't, it is discordant with what is appearing on screen, but in many ways it feels uh, like a continuous piece of classical music. Like it's building and building to O Fortuna, like, like we're mm -hmm. watching this sort of operatic thing, but what's on the screen is, is about the farthest thing from fucking opera. It's just a, a fucking barren farmland with a horrible glowing samurai effects. <laughs> I mean, when yeah. I say, when I say the score is discordant, I mean I think I think it works really well yeah. with the tone of the movie. I'm just saying that like what note follows from the one previously, once the synthesizer gets going, it seems a matter of just maybe yeah. spinning a wheel. It's strange. Yeah. It's certainly strange. Yeah, that that's... it is, and and it the, the entire score too is very much like I just got to play with an analog synthesizer for the first time, and this is me playing with it and recording the sounds that I'm making. That's that's what it sounds like. It's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, the, I, this movie is a tough nut to crack. I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't mean to to be hard on it because it is certainly something to be seen. Uh, probably for me once, <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> you'll never yeah. solve the mystery that way. Yeah. The mystery is like you think you've got down what this movie's doing. You're like, oh, yeah, this is like the event. It's an avenging nature movie, right? You know, they were starting with this fucking uh, killing of the deer in the woods and this woman's like traumatized and is a psychic. You're like, oh, OK, yeah, that's that's what we're doing here. Uh, you know, this sort of conflict between man and nature, right? a pretty classical theme. Uh, and then all of a sudden it just goes into batshit fucking Hiroshima nonsense where you're like, what? What? Yeah, then, then there's, what? there's just a samurai hunting down an old married couple in a shack. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, which, yeah. At first of you're which... like, oh, is this purgatory? Are they trapped in some, <laughs> you know, unescapable hell? And then, and as soon as, as soon as your brain starts working that way, they're like, no, and now we're going to uh, switch houses. 
even though we haven't left this one at all. And now we're in another house and there's two old people and one of them drinks powdered orange juice, which is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. And then it, the samurai kills them. So you're like, okay, that's incredible. That, there's that's so it. much, so much tension in that scene. Honestly, you talk about action. I, I can hardly think of a, of a thing that got me more on the edge of my seat than when she boils the kettle and makes a pot of tea and brings it in and just puts it straight down on a fucking waterbed and then sits oh, yeah. violently Chaos. down on the waterbed <laughs> and it doesn't spill. But it looks it looks like she's ready to shoot a freshly made pot of tea all over everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely riveting. I was just like, oh my God, is she going to do it? She does. And then, yeah, the, the powdered orange juice is just a throwback to like how good we have it now like i don't care how poor yeah. you are now you're there's i don't know if you can even get that stuff still yeah and it's not like tang it was like this is fucking orange juice it yeah was, no i don't think it's weird. medicinal this isn't like emergency or something this like they're doing this for like <laughs> like i'm going to bed but i can't do it without my i just love it too because it, it's supposed juice. to characterize the husband as a piece of shit but i'm like I, no i just think this is this is just getting weirder and weirder it's like oh Hey, why don't you make me a cup of tea before bed, you dumb bitch of a wife? And then it looks like he's like fully dressed, laying in bed, and he's got the dog, and they're just like bouncing on the waterbed. And then she comes back and the aforementioned tea drop, and then he's just like, You forgot my orange juice. So your brain goes, Why do you need orange juice before bed? But sure, okay. And then she goes downstairs and she's like, Ah, the fucking orange juice, gotta get the orange juice powder. What what? Okay, so maybe it's Metamucil? I don't, but he calls it his orange juice. That's all I got, because there's no such thing as powdered orange juice beyond Tang and Metamucil in 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 our lifetime, at least. Maybe I, it just predates us, because I, I mean, I remember the the dark olden days where we were drinking fucking orange juice concentrate from the freezer section regularly. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can still yeah. get that. That still exists. Uh, that although still nowadays, exists. I hear people. It's certainly well, like, yeah. There's certainly like five cans in the grocer's freezer these days, as opposed to it used to be like a whole fucking six foot set in the night. Yeah, well, yeah, this, this is true. I feel like nowadays it's mostly used for like baking. Like there's certain there's there's recipes where you can like use it for like flavor insert. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if anyone making it, but that's yeah, you know, yeah, I think Florida subsidized the whole industry just to keep relevant. But yeah, mm-hmm. um. So so much great stuff in this movie. I love the you know I love the mom and her weird like she's an artist. She wears a poncho. She's obviously oh. obsessed with Asian generic Asian. Yeah, she's things. like she's like what if Shelley Duvall dressed like fucking Poncho Villa and had a weird <laughs> hang up with Orientalism? It's fucking yeah, and, weird. And just man. listens to <laughs> chant music when when she's working. They're just like like Gregorian chant on the on the on the soundtrack just to, to stab and she hears her voices and then she has mind bullets and then the samurai is a mind sword and then her kids have mind bullets but they're different colors like lightsabers oh, yeah uh, and the girlfriend so has mind bullets all yes. the women have mind, mind bullet powers <laughs> I, I don't know maybe the girlfriend doesn't but she's just possessed by the samurai who the fuck knows what's going on at this or is she, but, but is she possessed or does she have a psychic connection to the mom because right. she keeps like every time she takes her clothes off, she's like, I feel like your mom is watching me, which is, is that just like her personal hang up? Say, like, is she a reincarnation of a kamikaze pilot, you know, or yeah. a samurai or both? Is, is she yeah. Emperor Hirohito, but with better boobs? We uh, who can say it's impossible, it's impossible to say, impossible to <laughs> yeah, say. I, and that's 
That'll get you back. You're going to watch this again, Adam. I know you will. Yeah, oh, you're getting yeah. back there. Uh, see, yeah. I, I thought the mother was psychically watching her through her shitty paintings that she had hung all over the walls. It was possible, it was too. like her, her third eye, you know. There's no explanation here. And then the, the other fucked up thing is, is like, this is in, in the story. They're talking about the girlfriend who shows up disrupts a, a hunting excursion to the point where they, they scare off a deer and she runs into the woods. And then uh, she, her boyfriend is like constantly trying to like grope her and fuck her. And she's like, maybe not. And so that's weird. And then it's revealed. He's like, yeah, you know, we met in the beginning of the semester. We've been dating for four months or something like that. You're like, why is she at your house for Christmas? Why is she not leaving when you're being weird? Why is it like when she suddenly like fucking glows because she's possessed by rotoscope blue samurai energy and then she fucking shoots your ass across the room? You don't like have a conversation about your relationship. <laughs> what? I guess what, she what is burns, anybody doing? She burns a picture of, of uh, who's that kid? <laughs> I don't fucking know. A, a kid who's also it's, connected it's to the samurai? as a kid. And then, then she like melts it with her mind. Oh, see, I thought there and, was a girl. I, I, there's like a brief flashback with this this uh, chubby child with longer hair and the samurai yeah. and the mother, and I, I, that picture's just hanging around. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? Who's that supposed to be? I yeah. have no so, idea. So I mean, we say this is a, a a lengthy rumination on the anxieties of you know meet the fuckers you know coming home for the holidays yeah. or whatever like this it's there's blood beat encompasses whole worlds several of them yeah it's it's about it's about samurai ghosts and yannick mind missiles i don't, I don't know yeah it's about samurai ghosts but it's not just about samurai ghosts yeah that's true that's true the real ghosts also, are the crimes we committed at the end of world war ii yeah, that's true. Yeah, possibly so. And, and it is also, I just wanted to bring out too, um, there's also the sister who wears, throughout a large chunk of the movie, she doesn't wear pants, she's just hanging out with her family in her underwear, but she is wearing yeah. full leg leg warmers, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> curious choice. I mean, I feel at that point you should probably just invest in pants rather mm -hmm. than full length leg warmers because it's it is i think otherwise weird to just hang out with your family in no. nothing but your tidy whities dude this is this is very on brand this is that's called the wisconsin tuxedo okay you, <laughs> you wear a sweatshirt with a pair of shorts that's how you get around in, yeah a I pair mean, of yeah, shorts would be considerably more than, i mean what's the least comfortable thing about uh, pants where it bunches at the crotch you know so this way mm -hmm. you got like a, a disconnect between the legs and uh, yeah. the, the crotch covering so you got a way improved uh, range of motion here, Jay. Yeah. That's yeah, true. You got to aim for that away. crotchal turn radius there. You got to be able to move. Who knows? At any point, you may have to dodge a samurai, so you're ready for it. This person's never going to, like, rip a hole in the seat of their pants because, you know, their legs can go wherever the hell they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah, I'm thinking about it too. I mean, is there any actual on-screen violence in this this movie? I don't think they had the effects budget. Like people show up with injuries, or there's like a shot of like a sword going towards someone. But I feel like it's all like reaction shots, and then well, they just kind of throw Jack, some blood on people. I'm glad you said that because you're obviously a sicko who uh, doesn't recognize violence when he sees it. Uh, but let me remind you of when the samurai entered into the kitchen. Or, or rather, the samurai energy entered into the kitchen, 
and uh, a man was pelted with cans and eventually oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. knives that stuck a into tab, him. A fucking tab knocked him out. Yeah, yeah just the, again, I just, by a can you know, of tab. I love, I love a good old movie that shows you the contents of a fridge. You know, this mm. is a shit that we miss, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a value, you know, just like this, I'm just opening all the cupboards, and yes, everything's flying at the guy, but you get to see the old packaging, you get to see the old pull tap cans, all this stuff, the, the powdered orange juice, it's, it's all here, it's, it's, a, it's a whole way of life crystallized with samurai. Yeah, I don't. I just wanna. I wanna talk to someone who is in this. Like, I I need to meet one of them and talk to them and be like, "What the fuck was going on?" Can you? I would give me be some fascinated context? to hear their conversation. Like, probably what around did here. the director say? <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll just like drive around. Like, I'll just drive north of Milwaukee until I'm like super rural northern Wisconsin, and then I'll I don't know. I'll look for like an oath keepers meeting and just kind of like waltz in, and and I bet like. Fucking the guy who played Gary is gonna be there or something. Yeah, I was saying we we need to do a Spring Green, Wisconsin locations tour. Find out, you know, visit all the sites of Bloodbeat. Yeah, yeah. Where's Spring Green, Wisconsin? Yeah, it's uh, it's near Madison. It's I think Madison's the nearest place to it. It's like west of Madison. Oh, it's west of Madison. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Let's look this up. Oh, you don't know what's there. Like. Oh, we get here in like two hours. That's easy. Oh yeah, no, it's low. It's right it's by local, house, so. house on the Rock, which is like, you think it's a tourist trap, but it actually kicks ass. It's some eccentric fucking lunatic who, I don't know, he built like this absurd house and then filled it with like weird antiquities. He's just got a room with uh, a bunch of, like when I say room, I mean like imagine a basketball gym, but it's full of carriage horses from a merry-go-round like that kind of shit oh that's Uh, that's not yeah we had a guy in chicago like that but he just built a murder castle (laughs) hell yeah oh yeah i mean that's what you got to do you got a place like that uh yeah oh yeah we can we can get here in no time guys we're going to spring green we're finding the house how many houses can there be in spring green probably not that many there's a culver's so we can at least get cheeseburgers good <laughs> I great think we, we can get lunch out. it's a hot lunch and and a blood beat tour i would, I would love it because you know again i have no idea what possessed the director to make this film other than possibly mm-hmm. acquiring a set of uh, samurai armor cheap but then you have these wonderful inserts like I, I believe he was living in the house at the time, but uh, in I, in one of the rooms, they just have just this generic print on the wall that's just as France written under. I don't even remember what it's a picture of. It's like an advert mm-hmm. for France. It's like, what did he, is that in his house generally just as like something to remind him of where he's from? Is that like an image of France he found? Or is that's it like a little- That's one of my little- favorite images in the whole film because it's the younger daughter- and she's standing next to the the poster that just says France, and she's wearing her Wisconsin sweatshirt. So it's the the cultural collision that is. is Bloodbeat. And then right after that, uh, she learns she has mind missile powers and fights with her mom. And then her mom fights the samurai. And then the samurai turns her into ash because Hiroshima. Right? Oh, yep. God in heaven. Ask me what happens at the end of that movie. Who's alive? Who's dead? I have no fucking yeah, idea. What happens I will, to the I'll girlfriend? Tell you, I don't know. I will tell you part of what happens is that they don't frame the blue uh, hue overlay correctly, so the top part of the image is not colored, which I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen that happen in another movie with the special effect optical overlay got misaligned, so... You could just, well, which to be fair, this is the kind of thing I guess it could happen if the director doesn't know the aspect ratio the film's in. Potentially, that could open that up. I think that that's up, the major issue here because the rest of it sounds like 
I don't know, he had this idea and was just like, how am I going to do this? And someone was like, did you think about doing like rotoscoping? And he went, no, I didn't think about that. And then he like looked it up in his fucking Encyclopedia Britannica to see what it is. And they just kind of went with it. Like <laughs> just marker know. scribbles on top of uh, I've, I've got my own personal ending where uh, Lou Ferrigno shows up and throws the samurai into the moon. <laughs> by the oh, way steve if you want dreams. to find this house uh oddly enough imdb is helpful <laughs> to list the what? exact they just, they just fucking dox the house that's yeah. awesome let's go uh, five five three six county highway t arena I, wisconsin us <laughs> I, I just have a feeling that unlike say the home alone mansion people aren't making the blood beat trip that often for yeah. christmas yeah I, also i guarantee I would get fucking shot if I just showed up to this farm and like took a picture of it. Like a guy would absolutely fucking shoot me. That would be keeping in the theme of the movie. This movie, by the way, in the hunting sequences is some of the uh, worst gun safety demonstrations I've ever seen. They're just like fucking in a single file with their fingers on the triggers of their shotguns rolling on the floor in front of each other. It's like this, mm -hmm. like rolling under fence. Like that's a, that's a good recipe to shoot your friend. That's old Dick Cheney maneuver coming up. But uh <laughs> They all survive that part. Um, I think that's how I want to die. Like when I'm ready, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, like getting shot when he was just like, I'm going to go to Wisconsin, fucking Sweden and just, just off myself in Sweden. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Spring Green, Wisconsin and just stand in front of the, the blood beat house until a French guy shoots me with a shotgun. <laughs> Do you think he's still there? Is oh, this like some yeah. say he <laughs> could never leave? So, yeah. He probably, <laughs> no, if you live west of madison wisconsin you fucking live there like i was like oh i want to meet the cast look at it spring green i'm pretty sure there's just a culver's if we went to spring green wisconsin and we sat in that fucking culver's i guarantee someone from the Bloodbeat cast would walk in it's 100 percent <laughs> certainty on that so maybe one day uh but yeah uh fabrici and zaffaratos if you're out there uh i don't know sure, let's eat some fucking croissants bro <laughs> sorry i don't speak french uh yeah anyways blood beat fantastic christmas evil fantastic why don't you have a jolly fucking christmas and watch those two movies everyone will love it your wife will love it your kids will love it grandparents uncles just gather around the tv real real feel good christmas for you right i honestly god the next time i am uh, with my family for christmas i'm just gonna put on blood beat without saying a word and just mm -hmm. see what happens <laughs> that'd be great i would love to be excommunicated from my family just and in, in, in the simplest way possible just hey guys you want to watch a movie so easy so easy uh but yeah i guess we should probably wrap this up so uh Myros, what are you putting over this week for for christmas Boy, what an, what an interesting uh, week this has been. Since uh, a peek behind the curtain, we are recording two episodes back-to-back. -back. <laughs> We're also doing uh, immense prep for our, our horror roundup. So I guess I'm going to mine that for content, because I've, I've uh, watched nine movies for the podcast this week, so uh, I, I didn't exactly watch oh, much else. Sicko mode. Yeah, I'm going to uh, stop watching stuff just to piss you off. <laughs> so I've, uh, I, I suppose I will start with uh, a movie that Steve may or may not have put over. I don't listen to what he's talking about. Uh, Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, that's right. I put it over last week, you piece of shit. Well, uh, you know, I, I just zone out when you're talking. Um, but yeah, this is not a bad movie. I, is it amazing? No. But if you're, if you're, you know, searching for that sort of modern equivalent of of these uh, holiday slashers this delivers in a way that i did not expect it to because i hate the opening of the movie i think it's uh wretched uh this 
fucking like storming of a Walmart. It, it just feels so out of date. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It builds from there. It uses that as this central incident of absurdity in a way that a lot of 80s slashers do. Uh, reminds me a lot of uh, stuff like uh, My Bloody Valentine and uh, yeah, Slaughter High actually came to mind quite a bit for me. But yeah, so you know, it's uh, it's not bad. It, it's a good fun time. It's a yeah. it's a pretty mediocre film. But you know, that being said, it might also be the best horror movie I've seen this year. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the it's the best scream movie since Scream Two. That's my that's my Thanksgiving take. But that also uh, kind of speaks to the the quality of every Scream sequel since Scream Two. So uh, yeah, take that I, yeah, with yeah. a grain of salt. I'm not uh, too invested in the Scream franchise to be knowledgeable enough to say. I don't think it's quite so meta as all of that. Uh, there's no, a little no. wink, wink. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a wink, but mostly it's it's just that model of the uh, the who done it slasher where yes. you're you're trying to figure out who the killer really is, and for a script that is largely like very blunt and stupid in many places i.e the 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 rushing of the walmart in the beginning and a lot of the how do you do fellow kids i am a 40 year old man writing dialogue for teenagers it's really smart in in how uh, you know they they leave these little breadcrumbs and these twists and these turns to to kind of get you thinking in one direction about who the killer is and then kind of swerving you in another direction and it's it's really smart that way uh just yeah I don't know. Maybe talk to a teenager, which I, mean, I get it. Like, I don't want to talk to one either. They're fucking idiots. But like, yeah, you know, that would help. I mean, there's a reason that model of slasher worked for like two decades plus, you know, that, that whodunit slasher mm-hmm. is one of the most timeless and satisfying uh, the modes of a slasher. And yeah, it works. It's just that, again, it it will remind you of things you quite enjoy. And it will also remind you of uh things that annoy the hell out of you like you know david gordon green's halloween movies i think are in a similar boat where you're like boy i'm really enjoying a lot of this a good thing we took a five minute break to make poop jokes for no fucking reason yeah you know <laughs> so it goes in 2023 that's right also shout out to eli roth man it, it took you what like almost 25 years but you you finally made a movie i like so good job buddy uh jack what are you putting over this week I'm going to put over, you know, I've seen better movies this week, but uh, not in the spirit of it. I'm going to put over the movie I actually ended up watching right after I watched Bloodbeat, which is Jesse V. Johnson's latest, which is Boudicca, a wonderful period drama about a Celtic warrior queen. Um, And by period drama, I mean it's a movie about people getting hit in the face with axes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I sang two tall boys while watching this, and I had a fucking great time. Uh, genuine, like, real two-beer movie, uh, stripped of almost all historical context other than Rome, bad, Celtic warriors, cool, and it is it is pretty much just a bunch of screaming, murderous vengeance, blood everywhere, heads mm-hmm. detaching, uh, and then and ghostly visions in between, up until the point where, indeed, Boudicca's own deceased daughters, like, start giving her sex advice for the good of the kingdom. Um, really connected absolutely. with your ancestors, man. That's good. Oh, That's good. It's, it's it's good stuff. So yeah, Bodica. Um, w- what's the subtitle on it? Uh, Queen of War. Uh, <laughs> but came out this year. Definitely. Um, 
Not the worst movie I've seen this year. If we, if I'm on the horror roundup, we'll be getting to films like, say, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, which is the worst movie I've seen this year. Uh, this one's pretty good fun. Just br- bring a beer or two. Keep watching that. that horror roundup, Jack. You might you might stoop lower. I don't. I Jesus Christ, man! Bloodlines <laughs> is absolute. Well, like I I thought cocaine bear was the floor, but nope. No, we've oh. we've. Lifted cocaine bear up a little bit and shoved some shit in underneath. Just remember, you, you think you're in the basement, but there could always be a sub-basement. So Yeah, just, just be thankful that movie was deeper. 89 minutes long. <laughs> some of the it other films did not feel it. it. That's like Blood Beast felt, felt like a, a sprightly movie in, in comparison to it. It's, it's remarkable. And also, we need to get into it, like it's a remake of Death Dream as well, which just yeah. like mm-hmm. doesn't help it. Jesus, stop reminding me of good films when making bad films. That's Is that so much to ask? <laughs> well, this week, gentlemen, I figured I would put over a Christmas movie uh, in the, the spirit of the season. And You, you ever watch something <clears throat> as a kid and you're like, oh yeah, this is great. And then you revisit it as an adult and you're like, there's a few things in here I don't think I caught as a child. And more importantly, none of the adults in the room seem to address it in a meaningful way. So I watched, uh, I, I watched Holiday Inn which is a classic little Christmas movie with Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby. And uh, completely forgot there's very extended blackface sequence, including where Bing Crosby like romantically puts blackface on the female lead. And it's fucking weird. Uh, but hey, man, Fred Astaire can he can cut shit up. He's such a good dancer. Uh, and it's it's great. And it's festive and it's jolly and it'll warm your heart. There's just a lot of weird blackface stuff in the middle. And uh, I. Uh, you know, different time, I guess. It's something. Uh, but yeah, Holiday Inn. It's a good one. Watch that. Why don't you? Jack, you seen Holiday Inn? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it start to finish. And, uh, and honestly, I mean, normally I, must, I think of you and you're first in line for the blackface. So that's, the bite, that's, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, that's an interesting one to recommend to all of our listeners. That's definitely cool. But I wonder, can we get through New Year's without any blackface? I guess you're going to have to tune in for the next episode. <laughs> tune in, yeah. Who knows? Spoiler, I think we do. I don't think we, we found any no, blackface. Yeah. It's hard, shame. though, because if you're going through, like, the classic film canon, and it's you're, you're between, like, 1920 and 1945, it's a coin flip whether or not you're just going to, there's going to be an abrupt blackface break. I mean, it's even worse if you watch Asian movies, like in Hong Kong movies, you can find blackface into the 1990s there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's difficult out there. And then you it go is. online, you have the people who watch Mad Men, and they're just, uh, there's blackface in that, but it's obviously done to point out how fucked up the 60s were. But they're like, no, this is terrible. How do they let this on TV? And it's like, okay, a little, little. Think about that, and you, maybe you figure out it's not We're endorsing. Yeah, we gotta get rid of endorsing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's whatever. the whole commentary, dumb fuck. Things, things are complicated. <laughs> things are complicated. Uh, anyways, uh, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, Merry fucking Christmas, and why not give your favorite podcasters a gift—the gift of money. It's what we all love getting for Christmas, and you could do that by going to our Patreon and giving us a couple bucks. And what does that get you? Well, uh, I mean, you get access to the Optimism Vaccine Patreon feed, uh, which includes a bunch of old written and uh, recorded stuff. You can only get on that feed. And then, of course, uh, the occasional new episode just for our patrons, like the one that we are going to be recording this week 
That is a, a little bit of a horror roundup jamboree, all the horror films from 2023 that we can cram into our little fucking heads and talk about. So, uh, yeah, sign up for the Patreon. And then in addition to that, if you live in the continent of the United States, I will send you a movie from my personal collection. It's wonderful. We are, we are such good people to give money to. We're not, we're not like all those filthy YouTubers who just like copy and paste stuff and then say things. We, every stupid word that comes out of our mouths is our own, and you can support us with money. So, uh, in addition to that, if you donate at the $5 and above level, you get a few extra perks, including being, to, or being able to vote on future episodes and get your name read out on the air. So who are our jolly five and above patrons this week? Uh, we have... David, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Saints, every single one of them. And they are on Santa's nice list. Yeah, we now, wish them a happy Christmas and no one else. Yeah, no one else. Uh, I, I know the rest of our listeners are high-powered uh, businessmen, Wall Street tycoons. They got all that fucking money, and they're not giving it to us. And you're on the naughty list. Sorry. That's just how it works. Now, if you really want to help us out, and you also are saying, man, I wish Optimism Vaccine would cover a hyper-specific topic that they have not covered, and yet it is in my brain, and I feel that they need to. Well, you can do that. Just give us $25. You could dictate an entire episode, anything you want. It could be weird sex stuff. It could be Czechoslovakian comedies. We don't give a fuck. We'll do it. Just pay us. Hentai? Sure. Yeah. Myros has been waiting for it. Could be been that they want us it. to cover like actual good horror movies from last year and not just like uh, IP drag. <laughs> uh, you know. oh, I mean, well, we, I, watched, I watched one good horror movie made in 2023, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, we can slip that, that in. I, I have a second recommendation, frankly, if uh, we can go offline with that. I mean, if, if we have the time, but Adam dragged up every goddamn IP piece of schlock and we have to watch all of yeah. them now. So thanks, Adam. Yeah. Adam Myro simply cannot get enough of Five Nights at Freddy's, so now yeah. I gotta spend well, and, and five Steve. nights of my week watching shit. Yeah. <laughs> little little pee on the ground. Steve also says, I'm watching the new Saw, and it's like, alright, why? <laughs> no, this the new Saw is important because one, I haven't seen it any since like six. And and two, this is one of these like these weird, like fucking internet brain poisoned idiots on Twitter who love movies are just like, no, this is the good saw. They finally made the good saw. So I just need to be able to say, I don't think they made the good saw. Yeah, I feel yeah, like we're all going to hate it. And then people are going to be like, no, you've got to get with the lore. You have to watch yeah. Saw What's... 7 through 11 or whatever. What? I don't know. We should have watched the Saw spinoff with Chris Rock. Saw bigger and blacker. Like, what, what uh, is That's not even a spinoff. <laughs> that is Saw 9. It's that's official. Yeah. Is it yeah, called like Saw Spiral 7, from the Book of Saw? Saw 7 is 3D, which is the last one we saw when we were doing our catch okay. And then there's a long break. Uh, and then there's a jigsaw, which is okay. Eight is that like a reboot? Uh, no? I have okay. no fucking idea. Uh, I haven't seen it. And then there is a, yeah, Spiral, which is nine, and then Saw X. But doesn't Spiral have like a a subtitle? Isn't it? Yeah, isn't it from, like the from, from the book of Saw. From the book. Why does Jigsaw have a book? Is he? Is he? It's Santa not from Claus? the book of Jigsaw. It's from the book of Saw. I, I, okay, I, I don't know. So that's that's what, a totally different thing. Yeah, that's who knows? Not even. Wow. I, I mean, so this so we, we like got a lot of work to do, but I, I hope I hope our listeners are enticed to give us money to hear us squabble about Saw. Yeah. Saw squabbles I don't think there's going to be much squabbling about Saw, Jack. I think we, we're going to all share a pretty similar <laughs> I've decided thing. I'm going to love it. I've decided I have already seen Saw 1 and 2. I'm going to go into this one with an open heart and I'm just going to love it. 
Adam Myros, you have besmirched the character of Darren Lynn Bousman for too long. Now you must sit in a locked room and watch Saw X, or else your hands will be eaten by mice. Live or die, Adam Myros. The choice is yours. Hey, we could we could do the last three Saw movies uh, for an episode next year. It's on the table. We're already. I've already got some some doofy uh 2023 horror stuff planned oh where we have the uh the dueling cobwebs uh one of which is apparently still not released so we haven't been able to do that yet and oh uh, also the various boogeymen uh through the through the decades because there was a boogeyman movie last year that everyone forgot <laughs> boogeymen about. through the decades that's the name of the episode yeah. <laughs> oh jesus all right well uh yeah if if don't forget to give us money it'll help fund us in the the new year and, and we've got uh, a yeah, special gift too probably coming up you know you say you idiots don't even post uh bonus episodes but like twice a year because you're lazy schmucks well guess what we're, we're going to be doing Darn. something there's going to be a monthly bonus episode. Uh, we'll give you more details as they crystallize, yeah. but uh, get excited. We, we've got some stuff coming for you. Things are coming. Stuff is happening. Uh, yeah. Questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimism, vaccine at gmail.com, or you can, you know, social media us at optimism vaccine. And that wraps it up. Uh, Merry Christmas to all. And it's all a uh, good night. Watch Bloodbeat. Bloodbeat.